Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News, and this week I am joined by my two co-hosts. I'm Hai Chen Hui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in the D.C. area. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. Space! Our topic today are space movies, more specifically movies that have to do with the space race and always curiously are released in this October fall months, probably in line with the prestige flick Oscar Beatty films. I'm talking movies like Apollo 13 and then most recently uh, First Man. So Willoughby, why don't you uh, give us a list of the space movies, I guess space age more, more to, space, more race. space race space, yeah, space, space race, race movies that uh we are going to be talking about this episode so first off we got the right stuff which is about the mercury seven john glenn all those guys going up into oh, basically up into or- orbit never really achieving the moon um that, that actually that came out on october 21st 1983 um apollo 13 is the outlier here it's the only summer movie out of all of them Apollo 13 came out June 30th, 1995. It's a very big blockbuster type of deal. Um, Did Apollo 13 get any, like, Oscar nominations? Oh, oh, I believe Ron Howard won for that. Did he win? Okay, I wasn't I, sure. I think he won for Apollo 13 and then Beautiful Mind, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then after Apollo 13, there's a bit of a space <laughs> between movies. And then we got a bunch of them. Basically, since 2013, we've got Gravity, October 4th, 2013, Interstellar, November 7th, 2014, The Martian, October 2nd, 2015, Arrival, November 11th, 2016. Do you see the pattern, guys? Hidden Figures, December 25th, 2016, First Man, October 12th, Happy Birthday to Me, 2018. I think it's definitely a, uh, I think the pattern is just award season it's award season but it's also really funny because then you're like oh i remember seeing gravity on my birthday and then oh i remember seeing the martian close to my birthday or i remember seeing the first man on my birthday like i was like what's happening and then i looked it up and like yeah it's all prestige and awards but then apollo 13 was like the studio was big enough they had enough uh praise to like make it a blockbuster make it a summer movie um so what do you guys think that we and Hollywood keep going back to the space movie. What it is? What is it about these space race movies that uh, is so appealing and timeless to us? Humanity's reasoning with death. No, it's it's, it's, humani- there. it's humanity basically being like, I want to, I want to touch the moon. I want to touch the butt. <laughs> I want to reach for the stars and touch. The Thanks, butt. Pixar. <laughs> and Pixar also <laughs> gave us touch the butt. You by Pixar. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, I think honestly, I think that, you know, we went to the moon not a, not less than a decade after JFK said we're going to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. Um, and then, so they... Sorry? That was a funny impression. It reminded me of uh, Amy Poehler's impression of JFK. Oh, really? Honestly, it's more of my Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons who does it, who is basically doing JFK. Um, <laughs> we choose to go to the moon... Not because it is easy, but because it is hard. hard. (laughs) Can't have a yard. So yeah, so we went to the moon, and I think that just the whole idea of us launching ourselves into space and achieving this was really kind of like solidified, like the space 
space age as like a significant moment in pop culture history. And I think it's, it, there's a ton of stories to be told about it. You get them in the right stuff. You got the first astronauts, the first seven dudes to go up into space, part of NASA. And then you've got hidden figures, which tells like the other side of that story, which is um, literally the hidden, fig- hidden figures behind the story. Cause like if you watch the right stuff, there's when John Glenn goes into orbit, um, that's a scene in the movie that also takes place in hidden figures but Katherine Johnson is not in the right stuff. Awkward. Yeah. Like, they don't, they barely show any, I mean, they show mission and c- control stuff, but they don't show, like, what happened in Hidden, hidden Figures. Um, so it was really interesting to watch both those movies. Um, and I think that, you know, we're all about, I think, just achieving goals that you think is are unbelievable. And I think the whole NASA program is like that. It's like, why don't we build a station that orbits Earth that we can go up to every once in a while with these shuttles? Like, ask, like, the 20th century folks from, like, 1935, what do you think of us going to space? I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, or not until the year 2000. Like, it's kind of a wild thing to think about. And I think the fact that we did it, and unfortunately are continuing to do it is slow, but, like, we did it. And I think that just going up into space is such a a weird human fascination that I think it's ripe for pop culture. And I think that movies like Interstellar and Arrival, which are more they're more closer more science to fiction, science fictiony, but like at least Interstellar still has NASA in it, like secret space, secret NASA in a bunker somewhere. And then you've got The Martian, which I mean, you've got Arrival, which deals with aliens coming down and seeing how that takes how that would like in a, almost like a reverse where like oh we aliens launch come, come down and we like deal with that mm. Whereas but it's still arguably like humanity at the core of arrival which yeah. is i think why it still fits and like that's why i think um space movies i'm gonna get a little sappy here yes go, go for it are you go ready full sappy so i think space movies are so successful for like a twofold reason so i'm gonna do the non-sappy reason first and that's like I think, especially with, like, award season and stuff, space movies are just ripe for the whole, like, technology aspect. Like, people are just amazed by what directors achieve about movies set in space. Everyone always talks about, like, you know, in First Man, I haven't seen it yet, but everyone's just talking about, like, the moon landing scene. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, the the cinematography. Like, space movies are just ripe for the visuals. Like, that's, arguably, that is the best aspect of gravity, Like, gravity is mostly a visual experience rather than, like, a strong narrative film. Gravity is an art film set in space. Exactly. Yes. And so then you get to the other side of things, which is why I think they're also really good, which is the sappy reason, is that humans are capable of so much. Guys, humans are are so good. Humans are amazing. Like, we, we are so curious and we are bold and we want to explore, arguably right now, there is a more pressing need to explore because we're killing our Earth. Hey, guys, you should uh, do environmental things. Protect the planet. Protect the planet. This is a PSA to be good to otherwise, Earth. Otherwise, Interstellar becomes real. Yeah. Yep. One of my favorite lines in Interstellar is something that I think really applies to this conversation. And I don't remember the line specifically, so I'm going to paraphrase. And it's something like, we stopped looking at the sky and started looking down just at the Earth. And that's what this 
you know, these space race movies are about. It's about looking at the sky and believing in something better and aspiring to be like the best that humanity can be. And I'm going to get Safi oh. now too. Oh yeah. Exactly. You guys know how, how many times have either of y'all seen first man yet? I just saw no. it two days ago. Yes. He looks at the moon a lot. He does. It's great. Oh, um, the moment when he um, is doing that test run for the uh, contraptions that's supposed to get him to land on the moon, he mm-hmm. you can see him like just look at the moon after he like crashes, and he has like, oh, this yeah. wistful face on, and it's great. Um, and it's, it is even more amazing watching First Man because of how just low rent a lot of the, the machinery is at the beginning, and it's fascinating to watch that transition from like the like basically sending people up in a tin can into the outer like environment out of atmosphere and and my girlfriend (laughs) after we got out of first man she said like at some point it's just you're in god's hands yeah (laughs) like Like, literally he's in a metal coffin at the beginning yeah it's terrifying i think and then this is like so like people like looking to the moon and like aspiring what we can do like i think that's a big part of it um and I think it's also just, like, one of the reasons I love space movies is that, like, it's this giant setting. We kind of talked about this last week with Doctor Who, with, like, this massive, bring it back Doctor Who, HD is so happy. <laughs> I did a little shoulder wiggle for this those who ma- aren't, who can't it's, see it's us. It's this massive setting of, like, the universe and space, which is, like, unending. And yet we're telling stories about, like, these small, in the grand scheme of things, like, insignificant individual human lives, but, like, how important they really are. Um, and that's really, that's one of the reasons I love The Martian so much, is The Martian is less about, like, can we get to space and more of, like, saving Private Ryan. Oh, hey, isn't Matt Damon? Yeah, he's both. He's both Private Ryan oh, and The Martian. Shit. He's Private Ryan and The Martian. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot Wait, about did you that not realize first. that? No, I, I, di- I didn't know that. I just, like, forgot about it for a second while I was, Wait. like, saying this, but I didn't know America that. America spends billions of dollars to save Matt Sorry, Damon save in the movie. Matt Damon, yes. I remember all those jokes. But, like, so it's a rescue mission movie, but, like, the amazing thing about it is that it's still about, like, the feat of mankind. Like, it's still everything you see, including his, like, fellow astronauts on their ship and to everyone down on Earth, like, banding together to try and save this one human life. And, like, so it's just, like, the idea that humans are intelligent and capable of being of these things and creative. And I think also, like, that movie just gets me because of the whole idea of, like, it's worth doing all this to save one life. Mm-hmm. And, like, The Martian makes me emotional as a movie. I love that movie so much. That's how Can I feel I about y'all? Arrival, as you guys all know. But I'm going to say a few things about um, The Martian, which is going to be my... My one one of my qualms with that movie oh, no. is you know oh, the no. casting of Mindy Park. Oh yeah, who is like Asian American, a Korean American woman, and then they cast her as like a white woman, which really grinded my gears and kind of prevents me from fully loving a Arri- uh, arrival, the, the Martian, uh, yes. which I can see everything that you're saying, and I'm like, yeah, it's it's good, it's hopeful, it's like everyone here is just trying to get one man, and they're a little snarky about it too, but it was just like. That casting, and then, like, the overuse of snark in some cases, I was just like, okay, tone it down a little, guys. But that's why I really love Arrival, too. Arrival, because it's a, it's, it's everything that you were saying about The Martian, but, like, it really touches into me, like, how humanity can, you know, achieve that just through, like, a few small people and, like, through believing and compromising and, like, trusting in each other. Will be. What were you going to Yes, oh, I was going to say, I was going to be real sappy and say, uh, so about two years ago, um, I was watching The Martian, 
And spoiler alert for The Martian, he lifts off from Mars, right? Uh, I got a text from my then-friend, Melissa, who asked me out on a date at the very moment that uh, Matt Damon lifted off from Mars at the same time. And I got real emotional because it was like so much happening at the same time. So, like, that movie is forever tied to my relationship with my girlfriend. Wait, this is so cute. That's cute. she was just like, hey, next time we go out, do you want it to be a date? And I was like, oh, yeah, oh. great. And right as Mark, as Matt Damon's like lifting off, it was really, I was like, oh man, I'm, there's a lot going on here right now. Space movies are so hopeful for like more than just the movies themselves. Oh yeah. They inspire hope in us. Mm-hmm. You. Um, this is so beautiful. So... Like, so most of the movies on this list are usually about like triumphs. Apollo thirteen is kind of the um, the outlier there, where it's like, well, it's a triumph, but also like a failure because it's like Houston, we have a problem. Um, and so like it's about humanity dealing with. And First Man is also kind of like this, mm-hmm. where it's humanity facing adversity, literally in space, and then trying to fix it. And then Has First there been Man, a movie about the Challenger? explosion uh i think it's being made now Um, okay i think yeah i don't know who i think someone someone was recently cast because like that's gonna be another like big like that's gonna be another october movie yeah but also about like the Um, human the like the failure aspect and the right like like the and the right stuff deals with that too because that the right stuff really is more of a biopic of the mercury 7 so it goes through all the trials and tribulations that they went through um but apollo 13 is about one issue that happens um, and and how humans can fix it. And, like, they almost died and they got back to Earth safe and sound. Like, when you think about, like, you know, the there's a, the scene in First Man where, he's, where they're spinning out of control in orbit is one of the most, like, horrific things I'd ever witnessed on film because you just feel helpless and useless. But then you see Ryan Gosling like doing math in space while the 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 little like shuttle orbit thing that he's in is like rotating at like 300 miles an hour or whatever. And you're just like, how are you not fainting yet? Because the other dude already fainted, and he like l- he was awake long enough to like f- fix it and like jettison some fuel in the opposite direction to slow his slow his roll essentially, and you see that happening and you're just like, oh man, anybody could die at any moment in space. Like, it is a frightening experience. But also, I want to go touch the moon. Like, that's what they want to do. And it's, like, a whole program is designed, was designed to go to the moon. And, like, yeah, NASA was already built, but they were just like, we're going to go to the moon now. Like, that's the thing we're going to do. And then they did it. And I think that's amazing. Humans are amazing. They are. and That's what I love about this genre. Is that it really is just about how amazing humanity is. Agreed. I really like that, too. And um, there's one part I really like in First Man, uh, which you don't see it actually in a lot of these space movies, is that when they first open the, the doors on the moon, it, you, it really depicts that vacuum of silence very mm-hmm. well. And I, it was a chilling moment that really, like, I kind of ex- depicts the vast expanse of space that humans are like just small figures in the middle of like this vast expanse. And it's really great moment that I think is 
um, one part, one of my favorite parts of First Man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you see it in IMAX? I did see it in IMAX. I kind of wish oh, I saw yeah. it in Dolby, actually, because I've heard that the sound is a, a very, like, encompassing in Dolby. And mm-hmm. uh, the IMAX theater I was in was like, okay. But it was good. It was still amazing just to experience. Right. I saw it in 2D, um, but I still think it was it was worth it to see it in regular as well. But I, I want to see it in IMAX. Um, and I think that these mo- these movies, like, the way Gravity is filmed, it's very much almost like the camera's in space. It's not... And, like, the way First Man is filmed, it's very much almost like documentary footage. Like, if they they just, like, stuck a camera with Ryan Gosling and be like, you're going to the moon now. <laughs> um, and I think that all these movies tell stories of humanity in various aspects of space. And Interstellar is all about love, and The Martian's all about hope and save, saving one man. And you get Gravity, which is more of like a human character drama set in space, um, right above the Earth, when George Clooney and Sandra Bullock are there. Um, mostly just and, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, mostly just Sandra Bullock. Occasionally George Clooney shows up. Um, <laughs> and I think that in Hidden Figures is all about the people we don't think about when, with these stories, which mm-hmm. is why I think more stories like Hidden Figures should be told. Mm. Um, but I also, like, love first man as a movie because it's like you don't really see too much about you don't really see a lot of dramatizations of the moon landing like you see a lot of like how we got there but like you don't really see neil armstrong biopics a lot like i think there was that one uh tv show that tom hanks did from the earth to the moon like 10 years ago but like i don't know really anybody who's seen it but i think this movie first man could be like you know, like revitalize, like at least our hopes in this in a space program. Um, I feel like every time a space movie comes out, everyone's like, "We gotta go to the moon again." Why are we? Why aren't we in space? Yeah, I think we will keep seeing more space movies too as technology improves in movie making, in filmmaking, because we couldn't have made a movie like Gravity, for example, or like uh, Interstellar without the technology that we have today. At what twenty years ago. You know what I right. mean? It's it's a it's a genre that will keep being made as as long as we have the technology that we can make it look even more realistic and even more all consuming. Right, like the Mar- Martian shots on in the Martian. Like, yeah, they probably filmed on location somewhere in the middle of the desert in America, but like it looks stunning. Like the way they color corrected the sky to make it orange instead of blue. Is just one of those things where you don't really think about, like, oh, yeah, they have an orange sky out there because, like, they don't have a blue ocean to reflect into the atmosphere. So, like, there's certain things that are just, like, different about space. Like, there's no sky in the, on the moon. You just have the vastness of space. Yeah. And then the Earth sometimes. Yeah. I think it's incredible. It, I think it, these movies are so fun. Yeah. It always gives you a new perspective. Even if you're watching it through a film, it kind of... It reminds you of how big the universe is, which is what I love about it. So big and vast. And it kind of reminds me of what you guys were saying about like how like this genre will exist as long as like we can keep progressing forward and like making them as beautiful as possible. And I'm like, isn't that kind of one of the points of space exploration? You can kind of draw a parallel to like filmmaking and that like space exploration. They just keep trying to go forward and create new new technologies and like new ways to explore this and filmmakers 
are also trying every day to try, like, invent new things to make movies and have new technologies in Hollywood. And so I think the space movie is one that will never end because they're both literally about just, like, moving forward. And people are always going to want to try and challenge the norms and see how far they can push something. So do you guys think because of the Space Race Movies Association with, you know, the Oscar season, that these kind of films are in danger of becoming too sentimental and too schmaltzy? Or like, you know, the criticism that's been lobbied against these kind of films, which is like, you know, they're they're lionizing these, you know, these figures, um, not unfairly, but like, in a way that just feels just so like schmaltzy. I think First Man does a really good job of diffusing that. Mm. I think that they sh- they show NASA like warts and all, especially like in terms of like people died. Like they show the Apollo fire. They show the fact that you know it's it wasn't smooth sailing to the moon. Like there was a lot of problems, and I think that um, and Claire Foy's character is a very big part of like 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 You're pointing all that a out. bunch of boys. Yeah. I love that. That's my favorite line. I felt that line in my core when she delivered that. <laughs> oh yeah, like there's a there there is some realness to that, and I think that a lot there like there are actually some critics who are like n- negative about First Man for not lionizing this mission. Mm. Um, and I think that if we see more movies like First Man in which we just kind of show like not a neutral perspective of of the of these things, but like a more nuanced perspective we the, the good and the bad we can we can show that this was an this was an incredible achievement but it wasn't like we and it wasn't like nothing bad happened while we while we did it because like you can tell that like neil armstrong he didn't want to like say goodbye to his kids and like that was a big that that was a big emotional moment there and like you just don't want to um like you want you don't want to see that you want to see the news footage you want to mm-hmm. see like uh, one small step for man. You don't want to see the baggage surrounding it. Yeah, and I think that we need to see the baggage because I think that gives it a much more a, a bigger perspective on like who these people are who are launching themselves into a rocket. I think that's a great way of putting it, Willoughby, because I think that first man does a really great job of making it a visceral and again nuanced uh, experience, and um, but still has that element of hope and aspiration that we see in a lot of these space dramas, but um, it doesn't doesn't um, flinch away from some of the more um, you know unsavory aspects of the story, which is great. And I mean, it's, there's a whole reason that we don't see the whole the the, the flag being planted, and that was uh, the stupidest cause of controversy ever. Uh, but so stupid. That's, well, I think that gets not, the core of what First Man it, is. It's not about right, like that moment. Damien Chazelle wasn't going for that. He was going for an an actual Neil Armstrong biopic. Mm-hmm. And so, like, focusing on Neil and not focusing on, like, America. Exactly. Which Shocker. I think, yeah, like, Apollo 13 and the right stuff, they're very much more, like, in the vein of, what I think, what we talk about when we talk about space movies. Um, in terms of, like, America! <laughs> Hope! <laughs> Tom Hanks! Uh... <laughs> All those people in the movie. Like, I think... Uh, only Tom Hanks. Only Tom Hanks. Um, Ed Harris. Um, t- Gary Sinise. So you've got all these people who are like... Because Ed Harris was in both The Right Stuff and Apollo 13. I forgot about that. Let's Ed see. Harris is John Glenn. Um, so I think... Yeah. 
with hair. It was funny. Um, so you got like these uh, like hurrah moments, which I think that's fun. That's fine sometimes. But also like you also want kind of if you want a meteor movie, you go to First Man or Hidden Figures because like Hidden Figures has incredible characters that we most of America didn't know. Like these, they didn't know these people existed. Um, and now they do because the movie made so much money. Um, go ahead. It's interesting to hear you guys talk about. So I haven't seen First Man yet. Um, and hearing guys talk about it is really interesting. Makes you think of like other discussions, discussions we always have on this podcast about movies and in terms of like representation and stuff because it's very interesting. I listened to this week's episode of Keep It, and that made me feel very sure that I did not care at all about seeing First Man. Oh, I was like. Oh boy, Neil Armstrong sounds like a jerk. Claire Foy sounds like she has the most thankless role in the universe. This sounds like white men being, yay, white men. Um, and uh, you guys are talking about it, and I'm like, man, maybe I should see it. And then I think about something like Hidden Figures, and I'm like, oh, but I want more of that. I don't really care about angsty Neil Armstrong being angsty and having a bad relationship with his wife and being an angsty white man. And so I'm I, I'm so torn about whether or not I want to see First Man because it sounds like there are some positive elements to it. It also sounds like it's something that I want these space movies to grow out of. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of done with the, yay, white men are so great, they went to the moon. I'm like, there are other people working for NASA. So to um, to borrow a word from, to borrow a phrase from Neil Armstrong himself, I think First Man is a first step in that direction. It's a first step, yeah. <laughs> um, it definitely one feels, small step. Yeah, one small step. It definitely feels, um, while it it is very much in that genre and that element of being about a white man who is a historical figure and did all these great things, it doesn't try to, again, lionize or glamorize him in that sense. Um, it gives a more nuanced depiction, and I really did enjoy the parts more where they it puts you in his experience and his POV deeply, uh, and basically just, like, shakes the camera around while he's, like, stuck in, like, this oh, tiny yeah. space coffin. And that was a part, the parts that really spoke to me because it was out of the elements of a usual, you know, biopic such as this. So I would say I think you would have the same problems with it, Anya, but I think you would enjoy it more than you anticipate. Yeah. Well, that makes me it makes me think about like space movies as a either like visual technological achievements and b strong narratives about characters mm. and like can these movies be both? They I feel like they usually fall on one end of the spectrum or another um, pretty heavily, um, except for Arrival. Well, so you see, I think Arrival and actually The Martian somewhat. Arrival more so, but I think The Martian is also, like, Willoughby was saying, the scenes on Mars are gorgeous. Mm. And the way that Ridley Scott achieved it was incredible. Um, but I feel like a lot of these other movies, they kind of fall one way or the other. Like, I think of Gravity, and Gravity is a movie that I don't really like. Mm. Um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's also very emotionally manipulative, and I don't like it as a narrative. Um I still disagree with you on the emotional ma- manipulative part. I don't really know where you get that from, but it's okay. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> we will agree to disagree. Um, 
But I just, I sometimes I wonder about space movies and like people's intentions going into making them. Would you call First Man? Would you say First Man falls on one end of the spectrum, or would you say that it? I think it does. It has a way of doing both. I think some of like the space work is incredible, and I think the way that the movie portrays what it feels like to be in a in a rocket launch is something we've never really seen before because it's so visceral and almost like you're like like Anya, you worked at Disney World, you know about Mission Colon Space. I do. So it's like that in a movie theater where it's like, oh, I'm going to get a headache after this. That right. Because I was in Disney World and I got a headache after going on Mission Space. That ride's pretty intense. I love it, it's but very, it's intense. It's, it's very intense. And it's very, this movie, when it when they do Neil Armstrong in any vehicle, it's always very intense. Yeah. Um, even when he's in a car, it's very intense. Um, meanwhile, it never... It's never I would I would say patriotic. It always feels melancholy in terms of what they're achieving. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the movie it's not a big crowd of people going, "Hooray, we did it." It's like a really like vulnerable moment between Claire Foy and Ryan Gosling and that's like the final scene. It's not him on a ticker tape parade, which I think is what the difference is between this movie and a movie if if they made a Neil Armstrong movie basically like at any point in the past it would have been like like hooray we did it instead of like oh boy i did it but oh man that was a lot i agree with everything willoughby said i think it's attempting to do something very different with the space race movie something that's more along the lines of last year's dunkirk which i know you haven't seen yet anya but i want to i want to though it's a film that like dunkirk was a movie that took the war film and just completely turned it on its head and gave this very visceral, very experiential uh, filmmaking, well, film, essentially, and something that doesn't really doesn't really have a strong storyline or strong narrative, but is very much driven by that those emotions and those experiences that the people on the ground were experiencing. And I think that First Man is attempting to do the same, but it still revolves around one man, so it does have the trappings of a biopic, but it still, I think, achieves those, those um, more visceral emotions that we get we got in last year's Dunkirk and that Damien Chazelle is trying to do now. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with it, what HT was saying. Um so Anya, I would definitely check it out. You you will, you will probably like have this have very similar criticisms to like what you're expecting to have criticisms for, but I also think the movie is more than what Keep It was saying because they that was a very general like specific like write off I mean, of the movie. Yeah, like... There's a lot more to it than that, but I I mean I will say that Claire Foy's role like is only as big as it like as you know it could this be is bigger. A concerned wife, yeah, um, it's just sad, but, but she, she does get that great line. She is really good at being a concerned wife. But have um, you guys seen that um, that Twitter thread of I don't I don't remember who it was, but she's a comedian who like will reenact various tropes uh, oh, that yeah. you see in film, and she did one for the concerned wife of a historical figure about to do his big historic thing, and it's the funniest thing. And I couldn't I watched I saw that before I went to see First Man, and I couldn't get it out of my head during like several of Claire Foy's scenes, but she does great. But I was just like, wow. That person is so on the nose about this. Yeah, I think what helps about the Martian is that there is no concerned wife. Mm-hmm. We never, we don't even get a shot of his parents or any family. That's why, that's why I love that movie is because the Martian 
it doesn't feel a need to give us a reason to care about Matt Damon beyond just like we should care about our fellow man. Mm. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel a need to be like this is his home life and like this is the people he left behind and like this is why you need to care about him getting back to earth. Like right. I hate that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cuz like I don't think you should have to justify why we should care about your protagonist. Um which is part of why this is part of why gravity bothers me. Um it's true though. I mean like we can disagree but like that is why gravity right doesn't always work for me. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so it's like I like the idea that like some movies are just like you should care because you care about your fellow person and just like I feel like directors shouldn't have to justify why you should, like they should they write should a strong enough protagonist the audience. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they should already have a strong enough protagonist that they shouldn't have to tell you why to care about them. I agree. Me too. All right. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say about space race movies? Space. Um, I think, I think it's just, you know, okay. Toy Story revolves around Woody and Buzz who exemplify the Western movies and the space race movies. In fact, like, I think, like, Paul Newman was even going to play Woody at some point, and I think someone else was going to play Buzz, who was, like, oh, in space movies. Oh, goodness, it was Tom Hanks. Um, yeah. But, oh, you know, yeah, so, like, yeah, Paul Newman was going to play, like, an older Woody, and then, like, uh, someone else was going to play Buzz, who was, like, in space movies. Either way, that didn't pan out. But what we do get is, like, these two very American genres, like, clashing in Toy Story, and I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but I want to point out, like, the Space Race movie is a very American, like, like movie. Because it's all about NASA and all, the, all this stuff. And I think that there, there are issues with being too, like, 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 glossing over the fact that, like, Katherine Johnson was a major part of, like, John Glenn's launch, but they never show her in the right stuff. Which is why the Hidden Figures is, like, such, like, a revelation. Um, and so, like, there are downs, there are these, like, dark sides to all these space race movies that we don't really talk about, but I'm glad we're starting to talk about. Um, and it kind of showed, like, like, with the Western, like, it used to, like, the Westerns used to glorify the old West, but now, like, you get a lot of, like, Westerns now that are kind of, like, grim and gritty, and they're showing a lot of dark sides and stuff that we should, like, talk about, that we need to, like, rectify. And I think that having pop culture reckon with America's past is something that we need. So I'm glad for these, like, for Hidden Figures and for First Man, which tell two different stories in two different time periods of NASA, but also, like, stories that need to be told. Because I feel like we know who Neil Armstrong is basically because of the moon landing. Like, I don't really know too many different astronauts. Like, Gus Grissom is someone I know of. Um, Tom Hanks' character in Apollo 13, but, like, we don't really talk about Neil Armstrong as a person. We just talk about him as the first man. So I liked that we got to see a lot of his home life and a lot of who he was as a character because it did, it definitely, like, strengthens my view of the moon landing. Of, like, this guy wasn't, like, a hot shot. He was not, like, let's do it. He was very internalized. Perfect role for Ryan Gosling. But he was very internalized, very, like, like he never bragged about anything he ever did, and where, meanwhile you get Buzz Aldrin doing all the bragging for him. Um, of course, the greatest that, Buzz Aldrin. He's so good. Um, and so I think that showing who Neil Armstrong was, 
and who the who the first man we had. He wasn't some braggadocio. He was a very thoughtful man, a man who is flawed. He has issues dealing with emotions, um, and like emotional connectivity to his kids and to his wife. But I also like that we got to see who this man was. Who like who is the first man on the moon? And I think that it's it's a valid a valid question to be asked, which can be you know problematic because a lot of the, a lot of the tr- triumphs in NASA were done by white men, and so representation is an issue in these movies. Um, and there's a really long run-on sentence, but I just want to say, like, I think it's... I, I'm glad we have First Man. But I'm also glad we have, like, movies like Hidden Figures. Yeah. I think Agreed. that... Yeah, I agree, too. I think that is a great way to wrap up our episode on space dramas. <laughs> space a final frontier. The He's final the frontier. Um, so, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week? I really like Yorgos Lanthimos' new movie, The Favorite. You saw it? Hey. Saw an early screening of it. I'm so jealous. And it is fantastic. Um, spoiler alert, I am a huge Yorga Flanthamos fan. Um, I've never watched a movie of his that I haven't liked. Um, I think he's one of our most interesting directors right now. Um, the Lobster was one of my favorite movies the year it came out, 2015? Wow. 2016. 2016, yeah. Yeah, um, it was definitely in my top 10. Um, I really liked Killing of a Sacred Deer, um, but the favorite is fantastic. Um, I've talked about my love of period dramas here before. So, like, it has all the great elements of a great period drama, like the luscious costumes and the sweeping score and the very beautiful cinematography. So it has all those things that I love in a period drama. But it really takes the period drama and kind of spins it on its head by basically saying history is just as bonkers as today's reality is, and that human beings were just as weird and gross and terrible as they are now. Um, And it's just so much fun. It walks this very fine line of being darkly funny, tragic, and cruel. You laugh at things, and then you kind of feel bad for laughing, and then you kind of want to cry. In certain scenes, that's a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, right there. Exactly, exactly. Um, and all everything about this movie comes together. Like every, all the elements just come together so perfectly. And I would have to just rate all of them on a really high scale. And it's all elevated by the three main performances: Emma Stone, Rachel Wise, and Olivia Coleman are fantastic in this film, and they play off one another so well. Um, and if Olivia Coleman does not win an award, for her portrayal of Queen Anne, I'm going to riot. Because she is, A, one of our most underappreciated actors right now. She's so good. I love Olivia Coleman, And her performance in this is just, it is breathtaking. Um, I was reading somewhere that she's actually putting her name in for lead actor and not supporting. Ooh. Which is interesting to me. Um, and it could be a harder race for her, but I, right as of right now, as of, from what I've seen, like, I'm pulling for her because I think her performance is so good. Um, and this movie is just, it is a wild ride from start to finish. And 
one other surprising thing. It is extremely historically accurate. Really? Like, you might not think this, but all three of those people did exist. Huh. And they really, it really was, like, this, like, this rivalry between the two women for the Queen's admiration and friendship. And, like, a lot of the things that happen in the film really did happen in real life. I didn't know that. And then I started doing, like, all this research. And Yorgos Lanthimos committed to a lot of historical accuracy. That's so interesting. When I saw the trailer for it, I thought it was his, like, grotesque kind of almost satire on nope. royal period dramas. That's so interesting. It makes it even crazier because then you're like, oh, like he didn't have to make any of this up. <laughs> like this all really happened. People back in like court were this crazy. Wow. So I highly recommend The Favorite when it comes out. Um, I believe it comes out next month? Yes. Yeah. I think November. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it's really good. All right. Cool. So um, I'll go next. My really like this week is uh, Colette, a film that Anya also raved about a few months ago when she got to see it early. I saw it yesterday, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I am all, always a little bit... Not skeptical, I guess, weary of Kieran Ellie taking on so many period dramas. But in a way, Colette kind of feels like the epoch of the Kieran Knightley uh, period drama, like the evolution of it all in the way that she plays this character from like her teenhood to uh, as to a young adult. And it's she her character is profoundly changed and shaped both by others and by herself. And it's a really fascinating biopic of a real life um, playwright who wrote Gigi. Uh, and uh, it's Kira's great in it. I don't know if I would say it's her best performance, but I really enjoyed it. I especially love seeing her in all those suits. But she looks so good. She looks so good. I feel like there's something to be said about the way that costume and clothing shapes her character so much in this film and the relationship that Kira Knightley's characters often have with clothing in her period films there's really a piece to be written about it somewhere there but i found that really fascinating especially with colette because the clothes were so powerful in this movie and um i yeah i, I liked it a lot good year I'm for so women glad. in suits yep good year for women in suits it is. this is true mm-hmm. i'm uh, so glad you liked it H.T. yeah i really liked it i was i was excited to see it and i'm, I'm very happy i went to see it i was surprised that uh Dominic West was playing like such a an abrasive asshole the entire time. I thought he would be somewhat charming, but no, he was just he was just a, a terrible person to begin with. Yeah, Willie was kind of terrible. Yeah, and I, I it was kind of hilarious to me that he was wearing like a fat suit the entire time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was really great. Here I was rating it. Um, and even even Dominic West, who's playing kind of the thankless role of, of the terrible, emotionally abusive husband who like holds his wife to to his uh, his uh, his ideal of her, yeah. But it was good. I liked it a lot. Kira, Kira's great. Ah, uh, Willoughby, what is your really like this week? Uh, bad times at the El Royale. Yes, I saw the film yesterday and I really liked it. Um. Yeah, I won't go into plot details because I think it's a movie that you really, like Anya said last week, 
really just kind of know like the bare minimum because I think it's so interesting. There's a lot of heart to it that I was not expecting. Like you care about the characters more so than I think you would ever like think. Like in a movie like this, I feel like it's just sort of like you're kind of almost like at it from a perspective, like a, like a distant perspective. But with this, you really get to know like a couple of the characters and you really feel for them for, for when shit goes south real fast. <laughs> um, and Chris Hemsworth is a revelation as a cultist. Uh, he is really he good is. at being evil. Um, I think that he relished the opportunity to uh, t- take on like a, tr- like a Charles Manson type and just kind of be like, like he's got that charming smile that like you love. And, but then you're like, Oh, he's saying a lot of deep, like devilish things behind it. Um, and he's just insane and charismatic and John Hamm is great. I, like the whole cast is amazing. Um, and it's directed and written by Drew Goddard. And I think it it shows like it's very Drew Goddard in terms of like Cabin in the Woods, like that kind of like style of dialogue is there and like everything that you that we love from Drew Goddard is there. Um, he wrote The Martian. Well, he adapted The Martian, but he wrote he wrote the screenplay for it. Um, and he's, he's directed <laughs> he's, he's directed a couple episodes of The Good Place. He's directed um, a lot of stuff. Um, and he's this is his second Joss Whedon collaborator. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, he collaborated with Joss Whedon on Cabin in the Woods. But this, it's solely writer-director for him on this. And I think that it's such a great original film. A lot of people do are comparing it to Tarantino. I will say it's Tarantino-esque with um, zero mention of the N-word. Um, <laughs> Shocker. So, what a concept. Yeah. Tarantino, I love like, you, but, like, come on. It's almost like you could do a movie with black people and not say the N-word, Tarantino. <laughs> Um, also, is so, pronounce his last name Goddard? It's either Goddard or Goddard. I don't know. I go back I, and forth. I wasn't I sure. Goddard. I go Goddard. I think I was saying Goddard because I was just saying it quickly, but I think it's Goddard. I would know. I just kept thinking about, like, French film Waiting history for and stuff now. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, like, wait, Drew Goddard? Goddard? I was like, hold on. Yeah, because yeah, French Goddard, because Jean-Luc Goddard is only with a D, with one D. Exactly, yeah, and I feel like Drew Goddard, Goddard is not French? Probably not. Probably, Probably not. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, yeah. So, yeah, um, no, the movie's great. Um, it's an original film, and I hope you guys get to see it. It's really interesting and fun, and it, there's a lot There's a lot in it, and I think it's all worth exploring, and so I hope we get to all talk about it at some point. Either offline or online. I need to watch it. I'm the one person on the... I'm catching up on my movies. I only just watched First Man. Hey, I haven't seen First Man yet, so, like, we are all... Hey, it's okay. I've never been to South by Southwest, and you guys have both been. So we're all... We all have done things that neither of (laughs) us And Oscar season is hard to keep up with. It is. Ooh, yeah, and we're in the thick of it now. We are. Um, So speaking of Oscar season and movies... Do you guys have any thoughts on any of these movies we've talked about in this episode, including Space Race movies, or Bad Times, The El Royale, or Colette, or how much you're looking forward to The Favorite? Please come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search first there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. 
And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.